Welcome. You are now listening to the Vanny Ultra Podcast, and I'm your host, Kenneth Kirk. And I'm Elijah. Can I get my martini shaken? Evans. <laughs> and yo, we're bringing you guys today another great episode of the Vanny Ultra Podcast. We have none other than Mr. Drew Joyner on today. He is a YouTuber as well. He has his podcast, Beyond the Garment Podcast, where he brings on exceptional guests like how we do. And so without further ado, we will bring you Drew Joyner. And you're, and we're back, ladies and gentlemen. And we have a great a great guest for you, ladies and gents, today. This guy, I've been uh, you know following his work for quite a bit now. Um, I've been subscribed to him on YouTube for quite a bit. Um, I love his content. I love the way how he's able to you know on his episodes even just give you a lesson mm-hmm. on like what to do when it comes to this thing we call fashion and style. Yeah, yeah. And style. I yes. can't even tell you how many pairs of pants i have gotten the right size in because of this man (laughs) that is a fact um and you know man it's good to see all of his uh work is he's being rewarded for it and yeah man without further ado i'm gonna go ahead and let my guest introduce himself thank you guys so much for having me on i am i'm drew what it do drew joiner (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i'm excited to be here you guys actually kenneth you were, um, for whatever reason, one of my buddies shared one of your fit picks to me not too long ago. So maybe that's why we we're having this pod, but wow. um, that's why I recognize you. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's, it's, a, it's a true honor. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, typically with our podcasts, our interviews, you know, we like to start off with the beginning, right? The introduction. Um, for you, where are you from? Born and raised in uh, Colorado. Um, I, I say Denver, Colorado for my videos and, and different things that I put out online. But uh, mostly Denver metro area uh, where I actually grew up in is a city called Aurora, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's relatively well known. I mean, there's a Aurora, Illinois as well. But Aurora, Colorado was um, is a city that you know, is definitely sub subordinate or sub subservient to Denver. It, it doesn't have as much going on. It's a smaller city relative to the to the big city. Um and and growing up, I played a lot of basketball, uh hung out with friends a lot of times. Um I was blessed to have both my parents in the home. Um and and I, I would say that for me growing up in Colorado has been a true a true plus for my life in a lot of ways. Um, and maybe a minus in some other ways, but it's been um, it's been quite the journey being a Colorado. I feel like not a lot of people are from Colorado, so I feel special about that being a black man from Colorado too. But um, yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. I don't know how 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 much in the weeds do we want to get into it? That's the question. Because I know for myself, I don't know anybody from Colorado, so this would be my yeah. You're the first. <laughs> so being nice. from being from Colorado, are you a big like outdoorsy kind of mm. gorpy snowboarding skiing kind of guy? Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to be right. in Colorado, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a lot of the people here are like that. So, like, as I've developed friendships over the years, like, when I started out kind of being – not when I started out. When, when I was a kid, I was more so into sports. I was a more athletic kind of person. So I played a lot of basketball. Um, but, of course, like, the, the culture of Colorado, like, my friends and my parents' friends and those kind of things, they were always, like, either skiing, snowboarding, sledding. Uh, it's like not very intense, but like if you're outside doing something, hiking, something like that. So I definitely experienced a lot of those things, um, but not to the level that some people, some people go all out as Coloradans, like they go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like I was a lot of times I was in the gym, like I, I have a a father who, you know, he, he loved basketball as a kid and he kind of put that love for the game inside of me. And him and I, we would have some battles, um, either just out, outdoor courts. Mm-hmm. And then as I got better and better and better. You know, we work to, for me, like my goal before fashion, before anything, I wanted to be as good as a basketball player as I could be. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a true athlete. Um, and I was on that path, right? I played college, played high school. I was on varsity when I was a sophomore, played college. I went from division three to division one um, and kind of chased after my hoop dreams in that way. And, you know, Colorado, like it has such a under kind of underrated feeling to it. 
compared to a lot of the United other other parts of the United States. Some people who know about Colorado know it's a beautiful place, but for the most part, I mean, I was outdoorsy, but I, I did spend a lot of time like in the gym hooping. Um, and that's kind of where like my style progression started was understanding basketball things and, 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 and moving kind of that progression along that route. So yeah, I was, I was outside, but you know, in the gym a lot more than, than like hiking and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's actually interesting you say that because I resonate in the same way for me, like basketball was my first love. Like I remember just growing up and, um, just watching basketball and just being in love with it, just watching NBA games. The first NBA game I ever went to was when I was living in California. My yeah. dad took me to a Lakers game. This is before they was at Staples Center. And, like, I got to be one of the ball kids, the, the kids that go down and what? get the ball. And I got to meet, like, Shaq and Kobe. This, I heard this story at Yeah. Times. <laughs> but, like, ever, ever since then, like, I was just fell in love with the game. I still watch NBA games to this day. Like, Facts. And, I watch like, it all the time. I, th I think it's a... Like you, you shouldn't throw away what you love, right? Like if you still have, if you have a love for something, just because you're doing art or creativity or fashion or, or you're in a different field, like that's one of the things I've learned growing up is like you, you hold on to the things that you cherish when you're a kid because they will, they'll bring you a lot of joy if you, if you allow them to. So mm -hmm. that's a fact. And it's, I, on the other side, I'm a big like, snowboarder, but um, we I live on that. these. Yeah, we live on the East Coast, so we have to like have to travel a couple hours ago. Mm. I would love to come to Denver one day. That's it's one of my. Oh, you have to. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to you, like growing up, who are some of your early uh, fashion influences? Well, before you answer, I you know listening, you know watching your videos, um, you mentioned that you kind of got into fashion through basketball and through mm. like basketball shoes, right. um, mm. which I find so interesting because basketball players are historically known for like being some of the worst dressed people <laughs> in the world. So uh, mm -hmm. explain that a little bit. No, yeah, that I, I would still say, I mean, I don't want to set up upset too many hoopers who play right now, mm. but I think a lot of people understand that as a, if you're six foot seven, you have a lanky body, like it's hard to like go into um, honestly, any store <laughs> and find yeah. something that fits you properly, right? So you're going to have a lot of high water pants or just out of proportion outfits when you're a basketball player. And maybe like if you're like a thicker individual too, like your pants might just be ultra tight because you got mm. like thighs because you run all the time or you, you squat all the time, whatever it may be. Um, so for me, it started with footwear, I think. I think footwear is a good place. Like a lot of, a lot of people start with footwear because like no matter if you have a, as long as you have a size like, you know, seven to 12 or whatever, like the standardized sizing is for men's, like you can find yourself a nice pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Once you get to 13, 14, 15, it's a little bit tougher. Um, but I just remember being a kid in high school and, you know, every state, every region has their local hoop heroes, right? They have their guys who are like, yo, this dude went, is going to Gonzaga. This dude's going to CU Boulder. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, he, he got, he got recruited to go to, to Duke. Oh, but he actually went to Stanford. Those guys, right? Those are like my heroes before my fashion heroes. And like you see it in sports all the time. Like they prop up athletes. A lot of times a lot of athletes are propped up to this really high status, um, and culture. And it, it trickles down to, you know, all Americans and everybody else. So for me, like when I was a freshman in high school, like I was still trying to figure out how I wanted to kind of convey my identity. You know, I was tall, play basketball, but I wasn't well dressed because I was just a kid really. Mm -hmm. um, but what I noticed is that I wanted at the time, I wanted to be so much like the players who were getting recruited to these high level mid-major schools that were division one. And I would, you know, you would examine them, like you would examine their game, obviously, mm -hmm. as, a, as a basketball player, like how do they get to the spot? How do they make their layups? How do they shoot their jumpers? But also you would examine their kind of swagger. You would examine how they step through, how they walk into an arena and, and what backpack they have on, what headphones they have on and mm -hmm. what shoes they have on. And so there's an entire aesthetic that comes with being a basketball player. Same with snowboarding, same with skiing, mm -hmm. same with same with tennis, everybody. I mean, the, the top of the top uh, athletes would have been whatever sport that you're in they have a certain way that they carry themselves right mm -hmm. and it's maybe it's not even that's why you know nike and adidas and, and new balance they sponsor these guys because they they want that energy to be a part of their brand i wasn't thinking about all that as a freshman but i'm thinking about that now um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah i, I just remember there's this dude um this dude named josh perkins he um he was a like a local hero here he ended up going to gonzaga and I just remember him being just the coolest cat ever. And he had uh, Nike Kobe sixes on when he played and 
like he would have one pair that was like a yellow pair another pair that was like a red pair um and ever since then i was like you know what are these shoes and from from then on in i was like hooked like how what how could i know about more about these and it was around the same era where you know the stock X's of the world and, and the, the sneaker hype beasts of the world, everything was kind of just coming into fruition in that manner. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, like learning about shoes, learning about basketball sneakers, the transition to learning about mostly like ultra boost and Yeezys and mm-hmm. what, what Kanye was doing in, in that time period, early 2015, 2016, 2014. And then it kind of evolved into, well, I'm a Colorado kid. I've always worn vans and things of that nature. And Jerry Lorenzo, what he was doing with Fear of God was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And like, I was obsessed at that point. And then it kind of evolved even further, you know, to, you know, it went back to Kanye and, and track suits and things like that. Cause I was still mm-hmm. playing. And then it just continued to go and go and go until where we are now. Yeah. I think that's about when I got activated, it was about 2015 too. And I just really right. started to like pay attention to what was going on in the world. Like you mentioned, like, like, Kanye and like like especially Jerry Lorenzo at that time like I had this um the short sleeve inside out fear got sweatshirt that I just yeah. I loved mm-hmm. so 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 much and it's just it's funny to like think back on like what I was wearing then and like what, like what I'm going through now it's just like it's just funny it's how like shift, yeah. yeah it's just funny how you like mm-hmm. shift throughout the years yeah yeah hundred percent hundred percent that's crazy um now as far as your family do you have any family that kind of shared the same interests or love for you is love as far as like fashion no no i would <laughs> say that i would say no one in my family i mean I, I would say that my family is a bit surprised too with mm-hmm. the level of kind of uh passion i have for fashion as as you know that's the corny saying passion mm-hmm. for fashion but yeah i would say no one really uh not my mom i mean like my mom is you know, everyone cares about how they dress, but not to like the level that at this point I care about it, right? Like it's become my career, right? No one could, no one would have foresaw me having a career in fashion. Um, I, I in fact, when I went to school, I, went, I was, I was hooping, but I went to school for marketing and my mom is a businesswoman as well. And I kind of wanted to follow her path in, in one way or the other. And, um, I always liked fashion. Like I said, I always was interested in it, but I never thought it would actually become something that I talk about and be known for and kind of delve in all the time. So I can't, I mean, no, no, um, no shade on my family, but I can't think of a single person (laughs) where I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to follow them. Yeah. So I think I can speak for me and King when I say like, do they don't like understand. So do your parents like understand now what you're doing or are they still just kind of like, as long as he's making money and like he can support himself, we're cool or, you know. No, they understand the gravity of what I do, right? Mm-hmm. They understand the gravity of what I do. They understand it from a, not necessarily a fashion side, but a business side of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm very, very blessed to say that, you know, both my parents are, are college graduates and, and they're very kind people. Um, and they, they definitely understand the nature of how marketing and business is conducted in this realm because there's a Mm -hmm. they grew up in a different realm right Mm -hmm. and and this is like i I think a lot of people don't understand this like real real great value if you're younger or older don't understand social media marketing or youtube or tiktok or instagram and and you kind of learn this in school a little bit like marketing has always been a big part of selling products right um if you look back at the mid 20th century you have television marketing, you have telemarketers, people calling you, you have billboards, you have all these different facets and ways to say, hey, pay attention to my products. And then with with fashion, there's, you know, magazines, there's runway shows, and then there's even more subtle things like brochures being sent to individual houses and individual Mm -hmm. zip codes, right? Mm -hmm. Today, what's so amazing about today's world is when it comes to marketing and fashion is that you know, social media is the is is a predominant, not the predominant, but is a predominant way to reach thousands of people of different social and economic classes at one time through a tr- trusted source, whether it be uh, a creator or whether it be on a platform that is trusted as well, right? So, I think that like you pull back the veil of of everything that's going on um, when it involves fashion marketing, and I think you can very quickly identify. Oh yeah, if I think about it thoroughly. There is a bit more at play than just, oh, he cares a lot about um, X, Y, and Z pieces because he's a, you know, a snob or whatever it may be, or whatever the cliche might be for an individual. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and to kind of like piggyback off what you were saying, how like 
that's very true when it comes to the age of like social media today like really what you're posting on your page is really like your portfolio yeah you know whether you do photography whether you're a model whether you're it can be whatever profession you're wanting to get into the age of social media now it's like it's literally your platform uh portfolio yep you know so yeah i definitely agree to that Mm -hmm. um now when it comes to you right and you spoke really briefly how you went to school for marketing um do you feel like that kind of like helped do helped propel you to what you're doing now in terms of content creation um i think every a little bit not not like in a substantial way because i think Mm -hmm. every every tool that you acquire on that climb on that mountain on that mountain climb climbing mountains Mm -hmm. (laughs) every tool that you acquire along your journey can be used right like I mean, you, you're still using the tools that you learned when you were five years old and you're in daycare or preschool and uh, a kid came, comes up to you and takes your takes your pencil. Like you're still applying like the lessons you learned from that moment. So I, I would say yes, but I would say that for the most part, like marketing school or like business school is not necessary or a main factor to why I decided to talk or, or, or make videos or those kind of things. Now, there are moments when I think about marketing school, like when I have to get presentations and I, for whatever reason, I always shined giving like a presentation. Like I would always like whenever we had to talk about a particular case study that we were doing or whatever, like we would have like four people in the group. Everyone would talk a little bit. And then when I would talk, like there was a difference. There's a little difference. Like there's a little bit of an elevated kind of feeling when I talk, whether it be like my memorization skills or my ad lib skills, those kind of Mm -hmm. things. Not to be cocky or anything, but I think everyone has a certain set of talents that they have to also kind of look at and and realize. Um, and maybe at that point, I realized it a little bit, but I wasn't really conscious of it. So I would say that, you know, marketing school had a minor, minor role in, in the decision process. It's funny you say that because that's one of my favorite things to do in school is present because it's like really? you get to stand up, you get to get the fit off and you get to <laughs> talk about what you've been working on. I used to love. No, present. Yeah. Thanks. So before we transition into, obviously, of course, um, when it comes to your content creation and YouTube, right? When did you first initially get introduced to YouTube? Um, I would probably say 2015, 2016. And, mm. excuse me, 2015, 2016. And it was mostly sneaker YouTube. You know, like I said, I was obsessed with, with basketball kicks at the time. Um there was a there's like two creators I, I can't remember their name i just saw them on tiktok there was this this like like light-skinned black kid and then there's this other kid who was black who they would make like sneaker like on court reviews of like different mm-hmm. shoes i can't remember their name right now but oh I, watched... I know i think i know uh his name is like jock jock slay or something yes like yeah yes yeah yep. mm-hmm. i know exactly yes. what he's talking about yeah um i used to watch them all the time um i'd also watch like you know Kais Omar and um, Tony D2 Wild and mm-hmm. um, people in that realm, um, and, you know, making sneaker content, going to sneaker con. And I was kind of that kid who, you know, always dreamed of going to sneaker con and always just wanted to um, be a part of that scene because of the YouTubers I watched. And I was obsessed with Yeezys because th- those YouTubers were obsessed with Yeezys and mm-hmm. skinny jeans and um, different things of that nature. So definitely that kind of era introduced. And it was not even the, and it's funny because I think a lot of people I would I wouldn't put myself in that category of a YouTuber right now, which is is really interesting. Like a lot of people will mention, you know, uh, Sanjeev or um, other people like Sanjeev. I'm blanking on names mm-hmm. who were like a part of the YouTube space that I'm currently in right now. Daniel Simmons or um, Kyron Warwick or things like yeah. that. And I I I touched on those people a little bit. Like I, I watched their videos a little bit, but I was more infatuated with sneakers at the time whether they're like ultra boost or whatever has kicks or whatever it may be so yeah. like 2015 2016 era of youtube probably that's wow. when it started and that's so crazy and wow this is really fucking crazy okay <laughs> so it's so crazy because for me literally i started getting into fashion i want to say my senior year which was 2015 mm-hmm. but how i got introduced was really starting to watch like the sneaker youtubers like i was watching people like you mentioned 20 d2l bullet rc bullet rc that's all yeah about. <laughs> and bullet rc is actually from here like he literally is from the area we're from wow um and then that's how i really got introduced and then that's how once i started watching a few videos from them i was watching people like kyron warwick or who's jacob mm-hmm. or yeah. uh 
uh, Avery Ginsburg, things of that nature. Um, and that's what kind of like formulated to how I kind of developed my style over the years by watching these people. But I like how with you, and we're going to get into get into it in a second. I like the way how you're able to not only just do videos that are solely just like, you know, the vlogs or pickup hauls and things of that nature. You actually do full on like video lessons on why a certain things are timeless or certain things are trendy and yeah, things of that nature. That three part um how to build a timeless wardrobe that yeah. yeah, it's a ref quick reference for me. Um so yeah, getting into that, like you pump out so much, right? Mm -hmm. How how do you like start? Do you start with an idea? Do you start with like you get something in, it's just like, oh, I really need to do something on that. Like, how did, how did your ideas come to you? Yeah, and to that, when did you decide you wanted to start your channel as well? So the channel started in uh, September of 2020 um, during the pandemic, you know, towards the latter half of the first kind of months of the pandemic. Um, and for the idea question, I think that, um, I, think it, I think it starts in the beginning of me creating content because the messaging that I was getting at the time was that like with TikTok um, and with, with YouTube and with all the available tools to you, uh, there will never be a better opportunity for, for an individual to um, amass a lifestyle, whether it be being able to be a full-time creator and live life on your terms, um, but and, and all the other things that come with being a YouTuber, uh, gifting opportunities or working with particular brands, um, to, you know, hate comments on the other side, hate comments and all the other things. But like it, it when I, when I, from an idea standpoint and from like a, like how, how I'm able to pump out or how many will give so much to the platforms. Um, I think I, 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 I told myself like from the very beginning that I, I want to be as prolific as I can be. Right. And, and I understand what it means to work hard. Like I, I just, after I graduated in, in, in 2020, 2019, I graduated, but like I was supposed to have the ceremony in 2020. So it didn't happen. Like the, the years I was in college, I understood from a athlete standpoint, how much work it takes to be even like a, a player that isn't even that good, a six man. You know what I mean? I saw how much work it took. Right. And like, I, I knew I, would, I was going to have to apply that to YouTube and all the things that I do. Um, hopefully I'm not getting too far away from the question. No. But but um so I knew that I wanted to be as prolific as possible and like I knew that I was just gonna let things flow and be creative, right? So when I set out to make a video or, or come up with an idea for something, like it, it starts with for one, like what are the things that I think are interesting? Like what can I talk about like with passion and love and like energy? Two, like there's a there's something that I learned early on when it comes to being a creative is that a lot of great creative people are very observant of everything around them, right? Like I, I've noticed like the, like for the listeners, like I can see these two dudes and I can see like the, the background, the studio space that you guys are in is, is pretty cool. Um, and like for me, like I'm thinking about, okay, well, like you guys have seen this background so many times, but like there's ways that I can improve that. So being an incredibly observant individual lends to coming up with ideas as well, right? Because you see someone on the street and they're wearing a particular item a particular way, like they're wearing easy Calabasas pants and you're in New York, this actually happens. I saw someone wearing Calabasas pants. I was like, oh shit, I used to love Calabasas pants. I used to wear those shits all the time. Mm -hmm. Let me make a video about the things I used to love that I just never see anymore. Boom, idea. And then there's just write down, what, what else? What are the other things that you can think about? What are the other things that you, know, you haven't seen, but we're dope, we're the hottest of the hot things. And next thing you know, that video has over 100,000 views. And it's like, take the take the things you observe and, and obviously put them into play. Also understand it's gonna take work um, and, and like put the work into it. Um, I'll kind of stop there because I feel like I'm getting away from the, the question, but definitely like the observant aspect is something that I definitely try to key in on when it comes to ideation for videos. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, and I'm very, and you know, I wanted to ask this question because I'm very curious. Because obviously, for me, I've been, you know, watching particular YouTubers or just watching people on YouTube in general. Like, for you, when it comes to your videos, how much take, how much time is taken into account when like editing your videos? Because I'm sure it could, I'm, I'm assuming it's a long process. If I'm, if I'm, yeah, it takes some time. It takes some time for sure. I think at this point, when I started out, it was 
I could get a video. I could make a video every single day because I wasn't very skilled. So I would think the videos were good and they weren't. And I could just, oh, I'm going to talk. I'm going to say, um, and like, and I'm not going to like get to the point very quickly. The video is going to be 17 minutes long and it's going to, it could have been two minutes long and I'm just going to upload it. And that's fine. I think everyone needs to have those early moments, but now a video can take, if I wanted to, I could, I could post one video a month with the amount of research and detail oriented kind of nitpicking you could do you could you i could post one a month. i could post one every three months but with the formula that i've created for myself is that i don't want the workflow to go beyond me posting at least one video a week mm-hmm. sometimes if i'm like if a topic is really popping then i can lower the bar for the editing meaning that i can have less b-roll it can be quicker it can be snappier um and i can post two videos a week but that I have to push myself pretty heavily to do that because I do have a standard that I love to post that. Um, so I would say for the majority of videos every week, it takes anywhere between uh, eight to 25 hours to edit. And then you have like post-production stuff, which is like thumbnail creation. Um, and then the ideation stuff before the editing stuff can take, you know, one to seven hours to come up with. And that includes scripting. So it takes some time. It does take some time if if you really want to be. I'm not saying I'm the best either. Like if you really, but I know a lot of other YouTubers who take even more time, who are at the the top of the top, the creme de la creme, who are not even on in fashion, who take, like I said, months to come up with video ideas because it means that much to them. Everyone has a different style. Whatever you decide to do, do it. But um, yeah, for me, anywhere between like ten to twenty five, thirty, forty hours, maybe. Right. So. It seems like when well, not it seems it's like today's age, everyone and their mother has you know their TikTok account, their YouTube account, and they're trying to and they're giving their opinions. And I think that you do a really good job at giving your opinion in a way that is really easy for people to understand. Um, but why do you think that you're able to kind of put yourself in a different light than a lot of these um, other YouTubers? Because I'm going to be honest with you, like the guys you were talking about, I have never heard of anything. You're the only one that I, you're the only YouTuber, uh, fashion YouTuber that I watch. So how do you separate yourself from the competition? And do you even look at them as competition? No, I, I don't look at, I don't look at other YouTubers as competition because I think that, um, some things you can't control. Like there are immutable aspects to everyone. I'm six foot three. I, I was from Colorado. I have dark skin. I'm black. I have a wider nose. I have bigger lips. And there's some people who are, who are in the same, you know, race as me, who, who from the same state as me, from the same country, who are going to like me more versus the five foot two Asian girl who has a money piece and whatever it may be. They might like her more just because of, because of, of culture, whatever it may be. So there's a lot of aspects that you just, you can't control. And that's something that, I mean, of course, like, it's hard. like every human being has the moments where I'm like, damn, I wish I could thought that I wish I could have thought of that video idea or I wish I could have, you know, made it like they made it and had the results. But at the end of the day, like, as long as you're doing what you love, you're having success, like it'll, it'll work out for you. Um, and the second part of that question, or what was the other part of that question? It was, um, how do you set yourself like apart? Do you how do I set myself apart? Yeah. Yeah. I see. Okay. How do I set myself apart? I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think I, there's a couple of ways, right? Like, um like video quality is one of the things like early on i used the lavalier mic i used to hold it in front of my my mouth um and i used to have like posters behind my my setup and i didn't have this plan and like there's visual ways you can set yourself apart just taking the time to visually curate your space for your videos or how you talk or those kind of things all those things will set you apart and whether or not people latch onto it or not is depending on whether or not you did a good enough job of capturing what they believe is value because everyone associates value with something different mm-hmm. i think from a like a actual video standpoint idea standpoint um i just i i i think youtube has so much potential even the videos i make as if you guys think they're good there's a creator right now and there will be creators in the future that will like blow my videos out of the water because there will be a way to make the content so much more clear and so much more crisp and so much more effective and so much more funny um and it, it'll just happen because that's just the way human beings progress over time so for me like i try to set myself apart by doing those things for this current period right mm-hmm. like when i watched the sneaker videos i used to watch like i used to get bothered by 
you know, the fact that they didn't show the shoes as much as I wanted to, right? Or they, they weren't like, or maybe it was too serious. They didn't, they never cracked a joke. So things like that, you observe what you, what you watched as a kid and what other people are doing a little bit um, for, for context of how to separate yourself. And then you apply kind of how you think you'd want to do it differently, right? Mm-hmm. One of the videos I, I made recently was a sneaker collection video. And in that video, I introed it with a, a, a clip from Surf's Up. Like, uh, I can't remember the character in Surf's Up, but he has, he has all these trophies that he's showing off. Mm-hmm. And I used his voice as the voiceover for showing my sneakers at the intro. Like, yeah. to me, it was super fun. And it was mm-hmm. super like, uh, it's just kind of fun to play with. Like, it's not a serious thing. But even in that video, as much as I love making it, I wore these Yoji Yamamoto five panels, Japanese savage jeans. And the, I love the way that these jeans fall on my pants. And every single shoe I wore them in, I could have maybe switched it up. But like, I had so many comments saying, yo, what is wrong with this dude? Like he, he has a shoe collection video, but he covers the damn shoe and every freaking, every showcase, like every right. time he yeah. shows the shoe. <laughs> so it's like, ah, oh, man, there's so many ways that I can improve. Um, but that video has over, you know, 50,000 views. And I'm like, damn, I, I wish 50,000 people could have saw like me changing up the, the fucking pants. But mm-hmm. regardless, you know, you win some, you lose some. And that journey also differentiates you a little bit. So um, it's just about focusing on what the current landscape is and adding your little extra drop of whatever you are to that landscape. Wow. So, and that's great because it's like, that's one thing I've always was like, you know, was curious that before bringing you on, I was always curious when watching videos. I'm like, wow, where does he get the kind of like idea or just the the thought process to go about creating particular like pickups videos? Because like your way of like bringing in particular items or showing off particular items is so like interesting to me that I feel like it's very planned out how you go about that process. And it's very clean. It looks very good. Yeah. Um, now, I'm very curious as well, because um, obviously you do vlogs too as well, whenever you and your significant other go to certain places. What was that first initial vlog feeling when you first did your first vlog? Like, were you nervous? Like when you were like, did you have people looking at you and you felt like, oh, like, should I be doing this? Or like... I want to add, that's one of my biggest, it's just like one of my biggest things. I'm, I'm not good with social media. One of my biggest things, I just feel so silly, like mm-hmm. taking photos of myself and like recording myself. But I know that like you have to work past that to be successful at it. So, yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. want to add that. Yeah, it's a feeling that it's a feeling that never goes away. Honestly, like I still feel a bit like awkward having your hand out, you know, trying to film yourself in public. People looking at you, of course. I'm taller, so people look at me, me and my girlfriend. Um, but for the first vlog we ever did, the first vlog. I mean, you gotta understand. I've made over 200 videos on YouTube. I've made hundreds of videos on TikTok. Um, so like those first videos, if you want to go back to the very first, uh, my girlfriend and I, a new in and out. In and Out Burger, mm-hmm. which is like a the California burger, it opened in Colorado. So the first vlog I ever did was we went to In and Out. We were in my car, and I was just messing around with the camera and like had the camera out. I, I don't even think I was really outside. I was in the car the entire time. Awful video from a standpoint of production quality or anything like that, but it was fun to make. Um, and now when we go out to New York or when we go out to you know different parts of the world, whether it be the Netherlands or whatnot, there's a bit more like. I'm doing this and I'm I'm the way I can like tell myself that to get over that fear is like this is my job. Like if if, if it comes between me and being able to eat or, or buy food or, or rent, like there's a switch that happens, right? Where it's like, okay, I, like I, I don't really have time to be as afraid as um you would think I would need to be. Of course I still am, like of course I feel like people are just still judging me, but like it's a it's a hard question to answer because every person has a different switch that will get them to say I'm no longer you know self conscious of what I'm doing like in a, right. in a in a weird way right and like I could even talk about like at, when I played Division One like there were many instances where you know you're 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 naked in the sense that like you're 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 exposed to criticism by the coach you're exposed to criticism by fans you're exposed to criticism by so many different people that like it kind of hardens you and you become this, you, you have a certain, certain shield up that, you know, doesn't really allow other people's opinion to um, get to you as much. And I think that, you know, for whatever that is for anyone listening or for you guys, like you have to be able to at least try to explore how to not care as much because at the end of the day, like 
you caring so much about someone else's opinion um, becomes your story. Mm-hmm. It, it literally becomes your story versus what's on the other side of that fear is making a damn good video that helps out someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a, that's a lot to think about in the moment, but like maybe like prep talk yourself or, or meditate before, or listen to your, one of your favorite songs, whether it be like some Kendrick or some Cole or something like that, or whatever it may be. Um, and, and get to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm very curious, like for you, as far as like just the overall feeling. And I know I I recently saw um you had posted it, of course, when you received your plaque for a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. And congratulations, first of all, Thank you. first and foremost. What was that first initial like feeling when you first got it in? Because I'm sure like it's probably something where to you it's like wow, like you know. But I'm just curious to hear like your reaction when you first got it in. Yeah, it was like damn, like this is <laughs> nice. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, but that lasted for probably, you know, I mean, I opened, I opened it up. It lasted for probably like four hours. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, all right, what's next? Like, yeah, back to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 but it's, you know, it's a weird thing, right? Cause like, I think for me, the goal was always to get to the goal. Like when, when you start a YouTube channel, the goal is 10,000, 50,000, 100,000. Like the 100,000 is a huge, huge milestone. And, um, like it felt amazing when I first, you know, looked at the plaque and I have it over there. I, I still, I still need to put it up somewhere in the mm-hmm. background of, of the videos. Um, but it, it's kind of weird. Cause I, I was talking to my girlfriend about this, like as nice as it felt to get the plaque. Um, it also felt like a bit of nothing at the same mm-hmm. time too. Right. Um, because I, 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 I did it for the, the, a year, two years that I had been on YouTube a year and a half. And, you know, the, the most fun was working towards, you know, the, the goal and like you'd have success and you'd have failure and, and, and success, you'd feel really good and failure, you feel really bad. But from failure to the next success, it was an amazing feeling, even maybe even more amazing than just holding the plaque because like figuring out how to succeed and, and like, and, and finding a way to, to accomplish what you want to accomplish, that is, um, that's an unbelievable feeling like to, to have that power. And then the plaque is just a result of, of all that work. So it feels good. Um, but, and it's a, it's a slight motivator, but, um, at this point now I'm like, okay, like let's continue to work towards a bigger impact rather than plaques. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And like for your channel, like where, where would you like to see your like channel go from here? Um, as far as, um, you know, when it comes to content creation, when it turns of when it comes to certain videos, you like to maybe want to maybe now navigate to or maybe try something different. Where are some things that you would like to maybe switch up or where do you see like the growth within it like sometime? I mean, I, I think for me, I, I want to be recognized and respected at a very professional level, right? Like I, I don't want to be, I mean, I, I think like YouTube is a thing where it's a very kind of novice or hobbyist kind of thing. It can be perceived as that, but there are some channels that do a fantastic job of creating videos that are documentary level and, or just news special level. And I don't know. I I think that for me, that would be the goal to like create an entire production out of, you know, creating videos, right. And, Mm -hmm. And being able to, you know, impact people's lives in a more substantial way. Right. So, um, that's definitely one of my goals for my channel is, is having that level of impact and, and, and being considered one of those type of channels. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think like the, the process of making videos is not something that I should take for granted because like having ideas and, and being able to come with different ideas week after week, after week, after week, after week, like, I just want to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. just continue for as long as I possibly can. And um, I have no fear right now or reservations about like the ideas that I hold in my, on my phone and, and in my documents. So we're, we're good for right now, but like continuing is a, is a huge part of my channel and just continue to grow. Like there's no, there's no metric that I really care about. Of course, like, man, like, I, like I'm, gunning for a million subscribers. Like at some point that would be amazing once again, but it, it's not the major driving force. Um, it's just one, it's just getting the content to where I want it to get to. Um, whether it takes two, whether it takes two years, four years, five years, um, 10 years. So, yeah. 
So we will be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about a little bit about swag and helping people. Um, in your video, Three Ways to Improve Your Style, you yes. mentioned start with yourself, you know, start with what you got. Mm. Um, then you mentioned figuring out why you want to light level up your swag. And mm. then you also talk about experimenting more than you imitate. Is there any other foundational advice? Because I have friends who, who want to take their swag to the next level, but they're not exactly sure where to start. Um, is there other, some other advice you could give them? Yeah, I would say that, um, like, I think being authentic to who you are is really important. That's kind of like starting with what you have. Um, but like what I mean, like what I mean with starting with what you have is like literally the clothes in your closet. They, you probably have some good fits in your closet. Like just explore that. The authentic thing that what I'm talking about right now is like, um, if you are going to go out and buy things or if you want to kind of curate a different closet for yourself, um, understand like why you like a particular thing. I think a lot of times people, um, they don't necessarily understand why. And I think a lot, everyone's like that early on. Like I liked, you know, Yeezys and, and Ultra Boost because like as a kid, like I saw my heroes, I saw people I, I liked or I looked up to wearing it and I was like, I need to have it because they have it. Mm -hmm. And that can be your reason. I'm not saying that that's wrong. That can be your reason. But I think that you'll have more fun and I've had more fun realizing that, okay, like I used to play a lot of Nintendo games when I was a kid or I used to watch a lot of anime and I used to actually really enjoy the outfits of the anime characters I used to watch. What can I look at, you know, from fashion coming out of Japan that may imitate that or brands in the U.S. that may imitate that and incorporate that into my style. And then, like, when I wear a, a pair of Sui Cooks or something like that, like, I feel like uh, um, I'm channeling something from my childhood that I always enjoyed and I'm putting it in an outfit now, but it's fly. Like, it's not yeah. like it's not like something that's corny or it's not something that's, like, goofy or anything like that. I enjoy it. So, like, there, everyone has those pieces of things, whether it be, like, your favorite rock band or rap group, or whether it be something you did as a kid, like from your area, you used to go down to the creek with your buddy, and like now that gorp core is a thing, like you and your buddy used to like walk in the muddy water and, at the creek, and like now you can pick up a pair of boots that, that resemble that. Like, discover who you are, read the book that you know you're writing, and um, kind of start to build your style based off of that. If that makes sense. Yeah, read the book you're writing. That's a that's a banger. That's um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good, man. Wow. Damn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I uh, definitely want to get into something other than, of course, YouTube channel. Uh, you have a podcast as well. Yep. And it is titled Beyond the Garment, which I actually listened to a few episodes this week. Love the podcast. Thanks. Um, when did you start Beyond the Garment? And then also, what, what comes down to curating the guests that you bring on to your podcast as well? For sure. I might need you to remind me of the second question because I want to answer the first one really well. Yeah, of course. Um, so I started. So the timeline of everything that I've done is I started a brand early 2020 before the pandemic. I started the formulation of a brand. It's called Edward Joyner. Um, and it was something it was the first fashion kind of venture I took. I, I decided to do. Right. Um, and so I started that first. And then within the brand, I thought, okay, it'd be nice to be able to write articles and have traffic to the website because of um, the topics that I was bringing up and then they could shop on the website as well. Didn't really like articles. And I was like, you know, what's a better way than, than, than written content? Podcasting. Podcasting is incredibly popular. So I used to have an article or I used to have a blog, quote unquote, called um, Beyond the Garment Articles. And then we're in on Beyond the Grammar articles to, to give some more context on the on the blog page. I would interview different creatives, talk about different brands that I liked, things of that nature. And then I was like, you know what? Some people like written content, but I would say that, you know, it's more popular to have a podcast. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what? Let's take Beyond the Grammar articles um, and let's make it a podcast. And so originally I started the podcast in, I believe, June or July of 2020. Before I started YouTube, if you remember, I started YouTube in September of 2020. So I had my brand and then I had my podcast and I was working on those simultaneously. Um, and I started the podcast as a way to, one, talk to people. It's, it's a great way to talk to people who you would never be able to talk to otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's a great way. You yeah. can interview designers, you can interview creatives, you can interview YouTubers, whoever. As long as you get in touch with the right person or if they're just an individual creator you just reach out and like i have a podcast um would you like to come on and then once you start getting that roster 
you can say, I've had so-and-so on. Would you come on? And they're like, oh, shit, you had Frankie D on? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm coming. Like, it's not even a question. Like, I, I'm better than Frankie D. Like, that's, that's, that's a vanity ego part of it, right? So there's that. Um, and, and that's kind of when I started. I started it even before YouTube. So it's been going on for uh, at June of 2023. It'll be three years. Now, for the guest list and, like, the guests I have, it's taken some time. Like, um, and I would still say my podcast needs a lot of work because um, I put so much effort into YouTube and, 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 like, I don't put as much effort into the podcast, even though I put a lot. Don't get it twisted. But um, for the guest list, um, it's all about the people I'm interested in, like I was saying. It's, it's all about the people I'm interested in, whether or not, like, and this is kind of a secret I've never told, but, like, for right now, I interview a lot of creatives in YouTube and on TikTok. And, you know, we're mutuals a lot of times. And, of course, like, like we see each other's content, we like, we comment. But, like, sometimes I just want to know, like, what what makes that particular creator tick? Like, why are they successful? And, like, well, like can I ask them questions to understand why they're successful? And maybe they'll give me a bit of the reason why, like, they are. And, like, I'll implement it into my content a little bit. Or maybe they'll tell me a secret that, you know, they just haven't said out loud because no one asked them. Right. Um. And I, I was talking to Keezy. I don't know if you guys know Keezy. Um, or no, I was talking to someone else, Tanner Dean, actually. And he was saying that there's not a lot of podcasts around fashion. Like he was saying, like, there's Throwing Fits, there's a Pair of Kings. Um, and, and I'm glad I, I honestly just learned about Vanity Ultra. Um, there's my podcast. But, like, I mean, our podcasts, you, yours and mine, they're not at the level of Throwing Fits or, or Vanity Ultra, right? Or, or excuse me, two pair of kings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's not a lot of there's not a lot of content around fashion. So I think that's another thing. Like if you if you're in a niche or in a space where there isn't a lot of podcast audio based content, there's so many people who've never been on a podcast, but they're like figures. They're they're key opinion leaders in in a in a, in a genre. So the the people I have on the podcast uh, to reiterate <laughs> are from just my interests, right? They, they just are people that I, I think are interesting and, or, um, like they would be, they, their story would be cool to hear. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And that's, the, and that's kind of like the same thing for yeah. us. And I think like, for me, like when, you know, of course I approached Elijah about wanting to start this podcast for me, I always wanted to just have people on who I admire creatively. Yeah. Right. And but also I wanted to have a mixture of creatives because I feel that there's many different spectrums of creativity, whether it be you're a chef mm -hmm. or a DJ or photographer or brand owner. Like I want to get have that kind of like diff, uh what's that word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, but the diverse diversity. I wanted to have that diversity of creatives on just so like multiple people can kind of resonate with those people we have on and kind of just be like, oh okay, interesting. Like. He's not solely just bringing on people who's solely into fashion. He's bringing on people who are doing something creatively, but, you know, it's different from what they're used to. So, yeah, I, the episodes I listened to before coming on, I listened to uh, Williams, Williams Spark. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I was always interested in him. And like, I don't know, I, I followed him for a while before um, before I even made YouTube videos and things. And then Michaela. Ebuin, Eb oh yeah. Yeah, 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 first season, yep. yeah, yeah, season one. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. So I was always interested in both those people because I was like before I, I used to take a lot of fit pics and things like that, and they were pretty like they were they were like really they had some really cool fits. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now before we get you out of here, man, uh, I do have to ask, who are you? Some of your favorite brands right now? Yes, I wrote down. I actually wrote down some of them because I don't want to forget nobody. I saw you, you're a big fan of Story MFG, and I've been kind yes. of following them for a long time. Dude, they're so good. They're Story really MFG, good. I love Story MFG. Yeah, they're really good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fumbling the bag right now. Here we go. Here are my brands. I got my phone right here. <laughs> um, now, there are tons of brands that um, I'm a fan of, and like these, this list doesn't exactly exemplify all of them, but like the ones that I'm just, you know, like I just I, I go to their Instagrams and still scroll and just zoom in to different things and like just mm -hmm. look at them all the time. Story MFG, like you said, that's my number one. I had the opportunity to have Saeed 
and Katie Al Roubaix on the podcast when, you know, they're the founders of Story Emoji. Mm-hmm. So I had the chance to talk to them personally and learning about their story um, and, and looking at the manufacturing process. Like Story MFG is just incredibly sustainable. Um, obviously, the prices are really elevated. They're teetering luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's end of season sales and things like that that, that I always participate in. Somar is another one that another YouTuber made, Owen Hyatt, fantastic brand. Their jackets and whatnot, I, I just live in them. Libero, another really cool homie from um, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Sui Cook, I mentioned, um, really dope Japanese brand that, like I said, it kind of exemplifies this, like, this Japanese feeling that, uh, foot and footwear that I always loved to watch in animes. Mm-hmm. They're like Naruto shoes. It's like Naruto. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like some Naruto shoes. It's like, that's exactly what I, that's, that's perfect. Literally. Yeah. The Sasuke's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Some Sasuke ones. <laughs> um, Harego, another brand that I've talked about a little bit, and it's kind of similar to Story MFG mm-hmm. and, and Bodhi in the sense of like, it's very artisanal. Um, and then Manresa MFG is another great brand. Boy Blondie out of New York, fantastic. Maybe Tomorrow is another one. And I have to throw in Ore NYC because Ray Mia oh, is someone I've always looked up to very much. So, so yeah. yeah, those are some of my brands that I love. Well, perfect. Well, Drew, I just want to say on behalf of myself and Elijah, it was a true pleasure true. having you on the podcast yes. today, man. Being able to uh, just hear your process when it comes to creating your videos as well as some of your takes. And it's been a pleasure to, you know, just get to know you. And yeah. we wish you the most success going forward when it comes to not only personally, but also within your craft as well. So thank you. Thank you. You guys as well. Hopefully the, this podcast and whatever you guys put your minds to, um, it is great to see, you know, people who look at like you guys making content and people yeah. who um, are passionate about what they're, what they're, what they're engaged in. So same to y'all salute. We'll have to catch up some other time. For sure, for (laughs) sure. Most definitely, most definitely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Video Ultra Podcast with True Joiner, and we are signing out. Peace.